Every blade of grass has its angel that bends over and whispers, Grow, grow. Hey, it's your friend Ramey over in Freed. Remember me? I'm the unofficial leader slash promoter of this little mountain town. I told you last broadcast that I would keep you updated on what I found out in my further investigations, and that's what I'm here to do. I haven't been able to find full intact longitudes or the uh, other things, but I was able to pinpoint the closest lake as having a latitude 375822. I can see the lake from up here, so if you can get to the lake, then shoot a flare out and I'll shoot one in response so you can see where I'm at. Now that you all know where I am, or at least close to where I am, I'm looking forward to seeing all your smiling and ear faces who will join me. Little update on the town's status now. Still snowing and it's lovely. Just today I woke up to see a bunny leaving a trail in the snow outside of my house. Gosh, it was so cute. That made it harder to eat after I caught it, but hey, gotta eat. A lot of houses are still locked up, and I haven't been able to get into them, but I have been able to get into a couple more. I started refurbishing the house closest to me, cleaning up trash and dusting and such. During this, I stumbled across a memo pad. It was open to the first page, and simply said, get vaccines. It reminded me of the panic we all faced when Virilia first became widespread. There was a day that I remember clearly, where I was with my girlfriend. It was just a little before the tipping point, before everything fell apart, when the new vaccine production couldn't meet the demand. We were walking home from the park near her house, and we passed a pharmacy. It seemed as if everyone in the town had congregated outside of its locked doors. The pharmacist had a look of terror. Actually, it was more than terror. It was anguish on his face. He was crying. He was yelling. He kept apologizing, but it was pointless. Everyone there was determined to get a vaccine. They had families, didn't you know? Their daughter, the one they were so sure had Virilia, was going to die. Couldn't the pharmacists see that? They each needed the vaccine more than the other, and each story was more depraved than the last. They had hatred in their eyes, but also the same look of anguish the pharmacist had. The windows broke, and I heard inhuman painful screams. That's when we ran away. She stayed at my house that night and her parents weren't too happy about that. The next day wasn't much better. Everyone in my house woke up to the news that the pharmacy had been burned to the ground. I don't know why they thought burning it would do much help, but mob mentality never makes sense, I guess. So without the pharmacy, no one had a place to get their medicine. That didn't make life easier for us. As for Sarah, her parents were sure she was sick. She wasn't, obviously. I mean, you know, my dad was a doctor. If he was sure of it, then she didn't have it. But that didn't mean they weren't upset. They wanted to move away, find somewhere else that had medicine. A lot of people had the same idea. Our roads were full of traffic. No one could really get in or out unless they walked. 
No one was really scared about walking before it, but after the pharmacy burned down, they were. That was the only way to get around, so people would get in small groups and walk to where they needed to go. It's strange. This was before we all fell apart, but looking back, people were acting the same way, just on a smaller scale. So, Sarah's parents called mine and told them that Sarah would be picked up later that day. We didn't know what to do about that. Like I said, walking was dangerous. So we felt like we were in a position to look out for Sarah as well as her parents. They get to our house, and obviously Sarah doesn't want to leave. She yells at her parents. They yell back. My mom yells at us to keep it down. None of us know what to do. I finally proposed that my sister Haley and I walk with Sarah and her parents back home. My dad wasn't thrilled with the idea, but he still let us do it. Sarah walked with Haley and I while her parents walked in the front. We didn't talk much. We told a few jokes, talked about how our extended families were doing. I think we even talked about what we would do once everything blew over. We were so sure everything was going to go well. We talked about how we would get a little apartment, the three of us, maybe somewhere in Chicago or New York. We were so sure everything was going to go well. Sarah got home safe, and so did Haley and I. Dad told us not to go out alone from now on, and Mom grumbled from upstairs about something. Haley went to her room, and I went to mine. Sorry, I tend to ramble a bit. Apologies if you're not one for monologues. I just had a lot of time to think about these kind of things. Anyway, back to the town updates. Here's something I found interesting. There's a house near the one I claimed as my own that is considerably more boarded up than any other one I've come across. The doors are not only locked with what seems to be three different locks, but it also seems to be blocked on the other side. All the windowsills have spikes and barbed wire stuck to them and are surrounded by broken glass. Maybe to signal to the inhabitants if someone came close? But why would any of that still be here long after Freed was abandoned? I honestly don't know. I haven't come across something like that since I've set foot in Eli. I really hated it there. I know I'm supposed to tell all of you guys listening about Freed, but can I please just rant for a second about Eli? Eli wasn't an ugly town. Far from it, in fact. Freed is obviously much prettier, but Eli wasn't hard to look at either. It was also a mountain town, and I had reached it in the summer, so there was sadly no snow to run around and play in. That wasn't so bad, but I must admit, I love the snow. Anyway, the trees were the healthiest I'd seen yet, and the scarlet gelias were in full bloom. The town was undoubtedly inhabited, but the way their fences and sniper towers were set up, they didn't seem very friendly. I took a few cautionary steps into their boundaries, and despite a few glances in my direction, no one seemed to pay any attention to me. I ended up talking to the manager for a while about our stories, where we came from and such. He was very kind, and I figured the rough and tough town was just for show. He gave a strange look when I mentioned my hometown, but I thought nothing of it. I signed into the guest book and headed straight to my room. I fell asleep almost instantly, but I was jolted awake by the feeling of boots meeting my face and torso. 
They were telling me to get the hell out of here and called me dirty and unclean. I bolted out from under them and fell out the window onto sharp rocks and broken glass, which gave me cuts that I couldn't clean out for three days. They chased me out of the town while throwing bottles at me and even trying to shoot me. Bunch of intolerant racist people in Eli. If you're listening and you're thinking about going there for any reason, let me warn you, you are not welcome there. However, I do know of a certain town that is definitely accepting of lots of people. Hmm, I wonder where that is. update for you. That little journal I found? I was just looking at it right now, and I found another entry worth mentioning. I don't want to air their personal details, even though they're probably not around to care, but still, I don't want to talk about their personal life, so I'll generalize it. They wrote about someone they loved refusing to take the medicine they were able to get. That was one of the worst things about Burley, I think. People who had it suffered so much with their ailments, but they were adamant about not taking medicine. I think I remember the reason being people thought they could just weather it. No one who had Virilia wanted to take the medicine. Some thought they didn't even have it. Some thought that they were trying to be poisoned by their family members. That's just unbelievable to me. Although people back then were cutthroat, they would do anything if they thought it would help them. I guess on some level, I understand their fears. But still, if you're listening, don't refuse help. Don't refuse someone's offer to help you. I'm certain that even now, you have someone offering to help you and you might be afraid. You don't know what will happen if you accept their help, but let me tell you, they mean the best and they generally want to help. Just don't be afraid. Especially if they're trying to get you to come to a friendly and safe mountain community. small update for you. The sun is setting as I talk to you right now. It's indescribable, really, but I will try my best. The sun is nestled right between a crook of two peaks directly in my line of sight. The sky is reacting to this, spitting out waves of purple and orange and even some green. They're all blending together to make a perfect gradient that can really only be experienced. It's calming to say the least. Right now, two people are watching this sunset, but they're not here. They're far away, or maybe close, but definitely not here. But wherever they are, they're seeing the same sunset I am. And they're together, holding each other, reflecting on their lives and projecting their own memories onto this sunset, just as I am doing now. If you're out there and seeing this sunset, I'd love to know what you're reminiscing about. I'd love to reminisce with you. The sun is leaving now, so I will too. So until next time, be safe, be strong, be alive.
Freed is a Paper Trail Studios production written by Casey Lee and Ryan Young, starring Heavenly Bedoya as Raimi. The background music was by the brothers Cruz Garcia. Follow us at Freed Radio on Twitter or freedpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, we lost our avocado sponsorship, sadly. Uh, we do have, let's see, Skeletons as our new sponsor. <clears throat> Skeleton, I'm inside you. Um, do with that what you 